Hello and welcome. My name is Tanai and I help women become confident with themselves and their sexuality and shed the pressure to be the good girl. For the past 10 years, I've worked with all kinds of sex and relationship experts to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, only to find out that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is my opportunity to debunk commitment phobia, so drop all of your preconceived notions and tune in to hear what I've learned along my journey about what it takes for people to create authentic and intimate connections. This is Commitment Phobe. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. You are now listening to part two of this beautiful conversation that I'm having with Kara about embodiment and how to practice that in your relationships. So if you haven't checked out part one, go back to the list of episodes, check that one out. Super powerful. And then come back and continue the conversation where Kara dives deeper into her work and what embodiment is all about. And At the end of this episode, she also has a little gift for you, a little embodiment practice that you can do at home. So enjoy the rest of this episode. Interesting that you say that the the fact that you started from pain scared you so much because what I hear in you telling it now and what I witnessed at the time was that you were just fully surrendered. You were fully like devoted really means like surrender you know you're just like fully thrown into something um and that's what i was hearing and and hearing you now makes me think of singers and famous painters and how much of their art and their music came out of pain and and it's so beautiful and so touching and we're able to access deeper parts of ourselves with that pain so i just yeah like putting putting that together with what you're saying it's 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 such a it's such a mind shift of seeing pain in a totally different way. Absolutely. Surrender. I would say it was full surrender because um, I I feel like I hit rock bottom. Not that getting out of that relationship, that kind of was a catalyst to all of this. It was not the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. Not at all. Right. It was yeah. beautiful. Like if any anybody knows how that, separation happened it was the most conscious uncoupling anyone has ever heard of it was done with so much love it was done in a ceremonial way like we made sure we covered everything that needed to be covered before exiting that relationship it was amazing right so it's almost like like not just live the relationship through but live the breakup through like i totally learned that from you like you guys really did break up you didn't just do the like fast, fast track. You know, you didn't do the crash course. You did the the full on. Let's really live this through. Yeah, it took months. <laughs> it a lot of like crying and screaming, <laughs> but it was it was beautiful. It was an absolutely incredible experience. So it was not the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. Not at all. There were things in childhood that were much bigger. The thing is, it was. Um, the first moment that I was, you know, I, I experienced a lot of pain leaving that relationship. And it was the first time that I was willing to actually let something take me to rock bottom. So I surrendered at a point. I was like, you know what? Just like take me, just finish me, like do what you need to do with me, universe. And 
So I, I let myself, I feel like it wasn't like hitting rock bottom. It was like floating to rock bottom because I consciously let myself go there and there was nothing left for me to control there. It just was like, all we can do is build this back up again. And I just listened to my intuition the whole way. Wow. A lot of, a lot of, especially women that I've been speaking to lately and clients um, have a hard time. They say, I, I don't know when it's my intuition and when it's anxiety and fear. How do you yourself or, or how do you help your clients determine when that voice is your intuition? I would say, okay, sometimes I don't even know for myself. So you probably feel the same. Like, who knows at times? Yeah. And like, what's the mm-hmm. point of, what's the point of trying to figure it out? <laughs> over time, yeah. over time, it will, something will emerge. But here it comes back to embodiment, giving all parts of you a valid speaking voice. So the part of you that is anxious. Okay, great. You're here. But the thing I, I tell myself and my clients and I've um, learned this is you are welcome here and I love you no matter what. So all parts of you welcome, welcoming them back in like you are welcome here and I love you no matter what. So the anxiety comes up and it's saying all these things and it's throwing you through a loop. Like who knows what that is? Intuition, anxiety, fear, who knows? So give it the voice and welcome it. And that's when we let yourself embody that, that anxiety and see what comes out of it. Cause I guarantee you, you're going to, if you stop being at war with it, the intuition will emerge. So sometimes we need time to do that. Yeah. Like the question, if it's intuition, I personally think is coming from control is coming from, um, how do I do the right thing here? And I, and, and it was really, interesting witnessing your year as you floated down to rock bottom and seeing how you you were at war of like how can I still control and and not feeling ready to just like let it all go and invest and and like fall in and and let yourself feel it all um and like you said it, it sometimes does take just reaching that level of like fuck it I have nothing else to lose like what am I gonna do (laughs) Yeah, it's a beautiful process. And this is equanimity inside of the relationship with yourself. There's no, there's no place where equanimity is more important. Because really, at the end of the day, everything else is conditional. The relationship that you have with yourself is the only thing that will always be there. It was there at the beginning and it will be there at the end. Everything else will pass and fade and change. So it's like, this is how we find an equanimous relationship with ourselves is, you know, that's the one thing you can't run away from. That's the one thing you can't hide from. Those two things are not going to protect you from yourself. So over time, just like staying with yourself, being with yourself, being with all parts, getting to know them. I've found so many different parts of me like a controlling teenager part of me an enraged part of me like a, a, 
part of me that's just like enraged at the patriarchy, a part of me that's like so deeply sad, a part of me that's so joyful and orgasmic and blissful. There's like all of it, all parts. And yeah, I guess just like that, you know, we're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way. So then even learning to love the parts of us that make the mistakes. So judgment is a big thing that we have on ourselves. Like we judge ourselves, we criticize ourselves for feeling a certain way or being a certain way. So, okay, that's fine too. Like take a step back Mm -hmm. and love the part of you that judges and criticizes yourself. And if there's a part of you that judges and criticizes yourself for judging and criticizing yourself, take another step back and love the part of you that judges and criticizes the part of you that judges and criticizes. <laughs> it just keeps going back and back and back. And then when you right, always come back, coming back to love. Yeah. When you love through those denser layers, you like get closer and closer to the core. And like what's underneath it all. Yeah. A deeper part of you that is just asking for love and asking to be seen. Yeah, exactly. I know that, I know that all of this was a big part of your self-love journey and dating yourself. How did you come to the point where you were no longer um, trying to have it all look neat and perfect and you allowed yourself to just be in that mess? Oh my gosh. This is, this brings me to a story um, that, <laughs> Let's do it. that feels uncomfortable, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. So, This is another shout out to Karina, your mom. (laughs) (laughs) So there, there was a a day that I was going to go to an outing and um, I was really scared because my past relationship partner was going to be there. And I felt really afraid to be around him and see what was going on in his space and um there was a part of me that just really didn't want to go but there was a part of me that was just like I just want to have fun and go so I call your mom like pretty much in tears and I'm like Karina <laughs> I want to go to this thing but I'm terrified and she's like okay so like let's ask what does your inner child need when you go to that thing and I was like she just needs a self-hug <laughs> so I go to the thing and I pretty much like spent most of the time just like dancing by myself in this like self hug embrace. And I was just like holding myself and protecting myself. And I felt so good in my body. It was really incredible because I was, I thought I would go there and not be able to handle it, but I felt so held. Um, and what's kind of wild is you become really attractive doesn't I I thought at the time that um because of the state that I was in I would never attract another partner because I was in the midst of so much pain and just like afraid and turns out that night I actually did attract another partner and I was holding myself and that was the first thing that he noticed he said that girl is really loving herself. And I, that was really surprising to me. You know, all it was in the moment was I got hit on and that was nice. It was fun, but I, I shut it down for a long time. Um, but 
it did show me that, you know, holding yourself, loving yourself doesn't matter even like what state you're in, that it's beautiful to other people. Like our pain can even be beautiful to other people when we know how to hold ourselves in a container of love. So, okay, the question was about dating myself. So that was a really big journey. I didn't want anyone for a really long time. I just wanted to learn how to fully be with me. So that what that process looked like was I would write lists all the time. I was like, what what are all the things that I miss about having a partner? I would write the whole list. And then I would say, okay, now how can I give all of these things to myself? Like things like I miss like cuddling before bed. Well, I would cuddle myself before bed. I miss yeah. like being treated to like a surprise evening out. So I would surprise myself with an evening out, you know? So yeah. there's really nothing, almost nothing, most things you can do yourself. And if it's, if it's like something that needs to come from an outside person, I found a lot of power in asking for support. Like, I, I love what you and Taylor did that one time where you were like, I need to be taken on a date. Taylor, will you just like take me on a date? Yeah. That is so powerful and so romantic. Like us, us girls, we can fulfill a lot for each other. Um, I, I remember I needed to feel like really sexy. And mm. we went on that trip to Northern Florida and we just like the three of us girls, we danced around looking sexy the whole weekend Mm -hmm. and I came back feeling like I just had had the best sex of my life and yeah (laughs) and there was nothing like that it was literally just us dancing and feeling sexy all weekend so I found a lot of ways to like fulfill needs that I thought a partner had to fulfill for me and I was giving partners so much power by thinking that they needed to fulfill my needs. And when I started doing that myself and dating myself and like caring for myself in that way, I took a lot of power back. A little, like a inner goddess emerged. Yes. Yeah. What, what difference did you see in the way that you showed up in, in this current relationship that you're in? I mean, I'm sure many differences, but what are some that stand out to you? The number one thing is what I had worked on so much before is creating inner importance because I, I never my whole life felt important to people. I didn't feel important growing up. And so it was reflected in my relationships, my romantic relationships is I just didn't feel important. And um, I really worked on that. And I, I made a point of when I was dating myself, like I am, so important. I am the most important thing to me. And now I feel really important in this new experience. So, you know, your inner world reflects your outer world. People will treat you with the same level of respect that you treat yourself. So that's what we get to look at every single time we get out of a relationship is like, what wasn't working for you? And how can you then do the inner work so that 
with the next person, they, they're just going to reflect you back to you. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, just to use a recent example that, that reminds me of what you're talking about. We were going to record this podcast. I don't know if once or twice before and Kara asked to push it back. And it, what it reminds me of is in my case and in many people's cases of the discomfort of asking for what you want. And what you spoke of about inner importance really comes into play there because it, I mean, maybe it was uncomfortable to you, but on some level you, you prioritize yourself and you said, this is what I need. I need to push this back. Just like what you'd been doing all year long. You know, when you were like, tonight, I'm so sorry. I need to cancel our meeting or tonight. I'm so sorry. I want to stay in and give love to myself or I'm on my period. And I, and I just don't have it in me to show up. And, and, and what I've seen from you and learned from you is, is that, you know, being willing to disappoint your friends and, and your loved ones in order to take care of you. Because in the long run, if you don't take care of you, then no one else will. And you'll just keep putting yourself on the back burner of relationships. Yeah, exactly. And one thing that you said, you know, like, oh, tonight I'm so sorry. I, I've even actually tried not to say sorry about those things. Yeah. My new, mm-hmm. my, my new thing is thank you for your patience. I need to push this back. Yeah. So yeah, we, we I, apologize. We're so quick to apologize as women. I'm yeah. not, you know, what, you know what story I love telling people when we went to lunch with our friend Taylor and we arrived about like 35 minutes late and we didn't apologize. We just said, Oh my gosh, we told you we'd be there in 35 minutes and we're not. And we're owning up to the fact that you're going to be waiting for us. Um, and it was so beautiful because she had had a really crazy week and those 35 minutes were the perfect amount of time she needed to just be with herself. Mm, yeah. So you just never know what, opportunity there's going to be for that other person right you never know like what gifts you're you're bringing so yeah, yeah. thank you for your patience is like the best like you could <laughs> we said that to Taylor too I'm sure yeah definitely and I remember even in the car you were just bringing that up like huh I wonder you know what this will give her time to do or yeah no that was yeah. Not the way that people normally react. People usually go into panic and into sorry. And and it's this like self-indulgent, like, sorriness, you know, mm. like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Like, oh, I just feel so terrible. Yeah. It's so disempowering. Totally. This is a podcast about women stepping up into their power, releasing the, star- the sorry, embodying their full uh-huh. spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. You know, it's, it, I love when this happens when uh, a guest starts talking about what I'm going to ask about already. Because what I wanted to ask you is I know that, um, female friendships is, is something that's recently new in your life. And it's something that you've recently opened your heart to. What impact has that had on you and how you show up in the world? I guess what's really new is sisterhood. Like, it's like what takes us to the next level and also you know we you and I and us in our friend group we have persevered through so much to to maintain this like this sisterhood this connection and there's been a lot of equanimity in this because I used to like pass through friends so quick 
quickly. Like I would, I would get to a point where I was like, oh, this friendship is not working anymore. Okay, bye. And I guess to answer your question, uh, the way that this has really enhanced my experience of life is having this sister, sisterhood with you girls and the way that we have given it our all to love the shadow parts of us. I have been met with so much love by you and our friend group when my shadow aspects are emerging. It's like the, like, oh, your controlling teenager is coming up. We love that part of you. That part of you is so cool. She's so cute. <laughs> so what it's done is it's like nurtured me into a more whole human being because before where I felt so shamed for those parts of me that were controlling, that were, had rage, the parts of me that are just like, so like depressed sometimes and like stuck on dumb things like boys. (laughs) Or even like triggered by each other. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. I've seen her just like name triggers and just say, Hey, I'm getting triggered by you. And that's so freeing and so vulnerable. Absolutely. And being able to express those parts and like have them be met with love and um, be able to say the things that are actually on their mind. It's made me more whole. Oh man, that's so beautiful. I love that you said that, that it's like equanimity within the friendships and equanimity. Um, because I, I think a lot of times we're so used to saving each other, especially as women. You know, when you talk about a breakup, it's like, oh, he's a loser. He didn't deserve you. But what I've witnessed with you is just that the witnessing, the being with, the just just giving space and and then feeling totally approved and like, yeah, that total approval for whatever is there without necessarily having to fix it or make it go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I really believe the early seeds of that were planted were planted maybe years ago, especially with you and Gabby, the seeds of, you know, just learning how to accept ourselves. And what I found is that the way we treat, treat ourselves, like my ability to, my capacity to accept myself is my capacity to accept other people around me. So when I started to become friends with you and Gabby and like, Taylor and all these people that I felt were so like emotionally intelligent is that I started to uh, my capacity to love just got deeper. Um, you guys really were the beginning stages of like rewiring my brain, rewiring like a pattern from a pattern of like judgment and criticizing into a pattern of being just more accepting and loving overall in general and like seeing, seeing the good in humanity, seeing the good in human being. Wow. That is so powerful. It really is. Friendship, yeah. female friendship, sisterhood is so important. Like if you don't have it, write it in your manifestation journal right now <laughs> and just become a magnet. Ah, amazing. So, Last thing that I wanted to talk about is this beautiful message that um, that you shared with me about what you wanted to talk about, about 
when things transform and when things don't transform, like how to, how to have things transform and what space does that actually happen? So can you share that with us? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So transformation can only happen inside of a container of love. So we cannot transform anything if we're being judgmental or critical of it. Um, you know, if you think about, if it's like, a, if you think about like a little animal or something, like a little kitten, if you judge and criticize and like act harshly towards that kitten, it tends to go like deeper into itself. But when you offer it love and open your heart towards it and offer it acceptance, the kitten is more likely to come to you. So that's kind of how transformation works is we can't, we can't transform ourselves. We definitely cannot transform other people by criticizing or judging them or um, criticizing or judging ourselves or telling ourselves, like, get your ass up. Don't act like this. Um, don't be like that. The space of transformation is this space. Like, you are welcome here and I love you no matter what. And there's even a third part that I would add is for as long as it takes, I'm here with you for as long as it takes, because sometimes we want transformation and it doesn't happen fast enough. And so we try to like force ourselves or push ourselves into it. And that's literally like pushing yourself off a cliff. Like how terrifying would that be? Like going off a cliff could be an exhilarating, fun experience you're attached to a bungee or something but you have to choose to do it if somebody pushes you holy could you imagine the trauma the oh how God. many steps backwards yeah. it's funny when i bungee jumped i actually wish someone pushed me <laughs> off they were not allowed to in australia well there are countries where they will what? i don't want to go to that bungee jump yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that that is um I think that's like almost one of the mottos in life, you know, just approach everything with love and to allow it to transform, uh, create an environment of love. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the fertile soil where things grow. So good. Um, wow. I'm just, I'm left with so much love from this conversation. I, I know you wanted to share with the audience a little embodiment practice. So I don't know if you want to first share about what you're up to and anything that you want to let my audience know about how they can connect with you or work with you. And then um, we can share a little bonus of an embodiment Mm. practice that they can do. I would love that. Okay. So I am going through a bit of a career shift. This is crazy because this is actually the first time I've talked about any of Layla's stuff publicly. Um, the pro- the uh-huh. program that I'm going okay. through. So this, this podcast pretty much marks so much of things that I haven't even told the world yet. So that's really exciting. But um, I am opening up spaces to take on clients for coaching. I um, have a yoga teacher training that's going to start end of September. If anybody's looking for a yoga teacher training that wants it really like emotional embodiment based and um, intuitive. And it's virtual too. So people can tune in from anywhere and um, you can check out my website. It's school of intuitive yoga 
com. And that's where people can find me. Also, my Instagram, Kara.MakingWaves. So I would love to connect with anyone and um, continue the conversation. So thank you, tonight. This really was beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Shall we embody? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So it's going to be just about five minutes. But for anyone listening, podcast listeners, this is just a chance for you to go into your body and kind of get a feel for it. So just find a comfortable place to sit, lay down any anywhere that's comfortable, any position really. And we'll start everybody just creating this ritual space by taking a big breath into your nose. And then as you exhale, you can close your eyes if you want to and just let your awareness drop down. So we tend to live so much of our lives up in our head. It's almost like living in our attic. It's just a small space. Let the awareness come down into the space of your heart. Do a body scan. Down into your upper belly. The space of the solar plexus down into the lower belly. The space of the sacral chakra. All the way down to all of the body parts that are touching the floor. Your feet. Just begin to notice what's there for you. The rhythm of your breath and any bodily sensation that you feel inside of your body, that's what we can work with. It could be a feeling of bliss or joy or lightness. It could be, you know, sometimes it looks like feelings of anxiety, fear. It is like a lump in our throat or a tightness in our belly or pressure on our heart. And then I invite you to just begin to move with that sensation. And trust your body as you begin to move. So it may be stillness. If there's stillness, trust your body in stillness. And if it's gentle movement, wiggling your fingers, your toes, moving your face, rolling out your neck. Trust yourself in those gentle movements and they may over time just become bigger and bigger. So just working with any sensations you have. So embodiment we in embodiment we learn to trust our body fully. So if it's tears that come up that's a normal bodily reaction. If it's burping or yawning, all normal bodily reactions. We begin to move the way love wants us to move. And the way fear wants us to move, it it might look like, oh, I feel a burp coming up. I'm going to hold that back. Or, I feel like I need to shake, but that's weird, so I'm not going to do that. How does love want you to move? 
from the wisdom of your body. So being with any sensations in the body that may resemble fear or anxiety, if those are there, being with any of the joy or bliss, if those are there too, and if it's fear or anxiety or any uncomfortable, unpleasant sensation, go ahead and scan your body right now for a part of you that knows how to love and hold the part of you that's feeling the unpleasant sensation. And what part of you knows how to hold it, knows how to love it? Scan your body for any part of you that's vibrating right now to the frequency of love. You may find a warmth in your heart or strength in your hands. Anything will work, or even just like a a greater part of you, like your inner goddess or your inner divine masculine, your inner mother, inner father. So, with whatever you find, just begin to hold the part of you with that place of wisdom, that place of love. Begin to hold the part of you that's afraid or uncomfortable or in resistance. Gently holding that place with love and acceptance. You may even whisper to that part of you, you are welcome here and I love you no matter what. And then just take a few deeper breaths and you can open your eyes and you can take that with you throughout the rest of your day. Thank you. Yeah. Isn't her voice magical, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> you can understand why her classes are so incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much, Kanai. Thank you for being here and um, sharing your wisdom and your heart in this space. And um, for those of you who are listening, you can go back and listen to part one of this episode if you haven't yet. Um, it's in another recording. This is part two. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of Commitment Phobe. If this episode left an impact on you, please share with friends, family, loved ones, ex-lovers, the people in your life who you think would benefit from listening to these conversations. If you're curious about the kind of work that I do as an intuitive coach, head on over to my website, www.tanaimelgram.com, where you can learn more about what I do with my one-on-one coaching clients, group coaching programs, and you can set up a discovery call with me to see how I can be of support to you. 
You could also follow me on Instagram on my handle at Tanai Milgram. I'm always posting content about what I'm up to and new insights, new learnings that I'm getting along my journey. And please head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review if you like what you heard. So together we can start changing the conversation we're having about intimacy and commitments. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next week.